Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another night of the gathering here at Journey of the Church. If you guys want to find your seat, make sure you guys are sitting at a table with a couple other people. We're going to have some table talks and some discussions. So for those of you guys who don't know who I am, my name is Matthew. I work here at the church. I do the sound and tech stuff, and then I work with the junior high and high school ministries. And then every once in a while, I get the privilege of speaking on a Wednesday night. So I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, Before we jump into a new chapter in the book of John, I want to recap kind of what happened last week when Jeremy closed chapter 9. And it does a really good job of kind of foreshadowing about what's about to um, happen in a sense in chapter 10. And it does a great job of just kind of leading into that and what Jesus is going to use as a metaphor uh, when he approaches the Pharisees again. So... Last week, uh, Jeremy ended uh, chapter 9 with the blind man who was blind from birth. Jesus healed him. His eyes were opened. The Pharisees uh, took him, put him in an interrogation room, used some crazy accent, asked him who this man was. And then the Pharisees ended up kicking him out of the synagogue. Uh, I love this part because of what it says in uh, chapter 9, verse 35. We'll have it up here. So it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Now, it's not the question that sticks out to me the most. What I love about this is three simple words. And it says, he found him. And I think this does a great job of leading into chapter 10 because we're going to be talking about the good shepherd. And when Jesus found this man, if you really think about it, it's kind of crazy because This man, his eyes were just open, and he's never seen anything his entire life, so that everything is so new to him. And now he's being kicked out of the synagogue and into this world, and in a sense, he's like a lost sheep. And it's an awesome picture of Jesus coming, and he found him, and he has some interaction with him. But just the fact that Jesus found him, I love that because that is the kind of God that we serve is when we're kind of thrown out of, you know, our circles, whether it's the friend circle or the family, whether we're thrown out of, um, you know, just the, the social group that we're used to. Sometimes we feel lost. If I was him, I would feel really lost in this time being someone who I might have lived in this area my entire life, but I've never actually seen it. I've been blind my ent- whole entire life. And so when Jesus approaches, uh, approaches him, I just love how it says he found him. Because in this day and age, um, in Israel and in uh, Judaism, uh, it's interesting because they have this system where it's basically like a cage in a sense or a fold, something to protect them, which would be the law. And as everybody knows, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to f- f- fulfill the law. And I love this because... Leading into to chapter 10, it's going to talk a lot about the shepherd and being the good shepherd and how Jesus came to be the shepherd of us all. And so when we go into chapter 10, um, one of the things I want to kind of keep in mind is how this is a new era, basically. You know, we start to see these fulfillments from the Old Testament basically being fulfilled through Jesus as the good shepherd. And so before we get into chapter 10, I want to do a quick table talk that will kind of help set the stage for chapter 10 and what we're going to talk about. And it's not something that's super deep and theological. It's something very simple. And it's basically, why do you come to church? 
Um, why do you come to church? Whether it's a Sunday uh, morning, whether it's a Wednesday evening, uh, whether it's a midweek Bible study, whether it's a youth group. Uh, it's very simple, but I want you guys to just kind of go around the table and just share with each other why you come to church, and then we'll kind of talk about it after that. And so take a couple minutes and just discuss about why you come to church. All right, so as you guys wrap that up, I just want you guys to kind of shout some of the reasons why, whether it was you or somebody at your table um, coming to church, just shout them out. Fellowship. Fellowship. Awesome. What was it? Belonging. I like that. Community. Why else? Growth. That's, a, that's big. What was it? Fulfillment. Yeah. To be fed. I like that. So... No matter what the reason may be, I think there's this one underlying aspect of why we come to church, and I feel like that's to be led into something, whether it's a deeper uh, place of worship uh, during, you know, the worship time, or maybe it's just a greater understanding of the Word of God. Maybe it's a uh, more, like, intimate place of prayer. No matter what it is, it's having this desire that I want to grow in some shape or form, but I need to be led there. I need a shepherd to lead me into that place. That's why we have pastors and we have worship leaders is because we need somebody to guide us into that place. And then hopefully later on down the line, you'll be that, that same person to help lead others into the same place that you were led however long ago. So if you guys will stand with me as we read the word of God, we're going to start off in John 10... Verses 1 and 2. So it says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this night that we get to gather we get a fellowship, and we get to get into your word, Father. We thank you so much for the word of God that sustains us, that uh, strengthens us. It gives us hope for the future and an understanding of our calling uh, on our lives. And so we thank you so much that we can continue to grow in our relationship with you. We pray for a greater revelation of your presence in this place tonight, God. And we give you all the glory, honor, and the praise for everything in our lives. And we pray this in your son's mighty and powerful and amazing name in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys can be seated. So I don't know that much about shepherding, uh, which is surprising because I grew up on the corner of Las Postas and Las Postas. I know that's like the deep country. I grew up here in Camarillo, and there's not very many sheep running around. But what I learned when I was kind of diving into this scripture is it, there tends to be two types of folds or enclosures or cages, whatever terminology you guys want to use. In this case, we're going to call it a fold. So there's one that takes place in the village, and then there's one that takes place in the wilderness. And so the unique thing about the one in the village is basically we're going to reference that from verses 1 through 6, and then the one that takes place from verse 7 to 10 is going to be taking place in the wilderness. So some of the characteristics of, a, of the village enclosure is it's set in the middle of the village. So it's basically in the safest part of the village. It's not on the outskirts. It's right in the thick of it, in the middle, usually protected by large walls and closed by a gate. So it has a swinging gate. 
uh, secured by an under-shepherd. So basically an intern. You're a shepherd's intern, and you're the under-shepherd, so you man the gate at night. Uh, multiple shepherds would bring their flocks to the fold or enclosure. So there could be multiple shepherds within one village, and so multiple shepherds bring all their sheep, and they would put them into that one pen that's surrounded by walls, and it's kept by that gatekeeper or the under-shepherd. And so I want to start off in verse 1. So we're going to touch on this real quick. Uh, when it comes to entering the gate, if we can go back to the scripture, John 10, 1 through 2. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. When it comes to Jesus Christ, he entered the front gate. So if we're going to look at this, basically Jesus came in through the front door of Judaism. He came in under the law. One of the unique things is the Pharisees are always trying to disprove the validity of him being the son of God. They want to disprove the fact that he's probably just this crazy man that has magical spells or they just try to get him to people to believe that he's just some false prophet that came out of nowhere. But Jesus didn't just come out of nowhere. He came under the law. It says in Galatians 4.4, which we'll have up on the screen, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. This is a big part of just this whole entering through the front door, entering through the gate. Jesus didn't come barging through a side wall. He didn't climb over the top and he didn't come bursting through the ceiling. He came through the front door of the fold. He came in under the law so that the Pharisees would have no say in basically saying that like, no, you came outside of the law. You're not the son of God because the son of God wouldn't break the law. And that's the interesting part about it is Jesus never came again. Like he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I love the fact that Jesus, I mean, there's about 351 uh, prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled throughout his time. It wasn't to come and abolish, but it's to fulfill, 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 fulfill. He fulfilled every prophecy, and it's interesting to see how it's something that, like, you never really think about, but he came through the front door. There wasn't one of those things where you see, you know, maybe he, like, came in because he's, you know, kind of trendy and, and off the beaten path, and you kind of think like, oh yeah, he would probably try to like, you know, come in from a different way. But no, he just simply walked through the front door under the law and fulfilled everything that was prophesied before him. And I love that about just, you know, the first part of this scripture. Uh, it says, goes on to say, uh, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by any other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. So he is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Now, with a sheep pen in this day and age, basically the interesting part about it is there's multiple different sheep within one sheep fold or sheep pen. And what's cool about it is basically the shepherd would be coming the day after, he, you know, he put him in there at night, go home. The under shepherd would protect and secure the sh uh, sheep fold at night. And then what would happen is they would come the next morning to lead them out. 
the under shepherd would see that, yes, this is a shepherd of the flock. And what he would do is he would do a very distinct whistle or a shrill or a sound, um, something that only his sheep would know. I always kind of, when I read this, I thought about like when I was younger and I would get in trouble. Like I knew the call of my parents when I was in trouble because it was just very ingrained in my mind. And I knew exactly what kind of call it was. Was it a friendly like dinner's ready or was it a friendly you're about to get your... Yeah, you're in trouble. So uh, the sheep knew the, the shepherd's voice. And the same way that we understand, you know, how to decipher the voice of our parents, our friends, our uh, relatives, um, is the same way that we need to decipher the voice of God. And so I want to have a quick table talk again. And I just want to ask you guys, uh, do you hear the voice of God? And how do we know it's the voice of God? And so it might be kind of a big question in a sense, but um, do your best. I know that it's like, it's a big question. It is kind of like, it's hard to, to kind of answer, but I just want to get a general consensus of like, you know, where people are at. And then we're going to dive into like the voice of God and how we hear it. And so I'm going to give you guys a few minutes or maybe a couple more because it is a pretty, pretty deep question. But go ahead and have a table talk of do you hear the voice of God and how do we know it's the voice of God? I want to do a little exercise real quick. So I want you guys to try and guess these voices. And so they're going to speak, and then you guys can just shout out who you think it is. And so we'll have the first voice. I am the funniest pastor at Journey of the Church. Who is that? Yeah, that's a false, false statement right there. But that is Dustin Anderson. I'm just kidding. He's, he is awesome. All right. It's because we work together in youth ministry and we have to poke fun. But we're going to have the next uh, voice go. Hey, no, I'm the funniest pastor at Johnny. <laughs> Mr. Jeremy Casey. That was the accent that he used last week. And I was going to try and, like, reference that and do it. And then I practiced at home and I was like, definitely not. And so you're welcome. So that was Mr. Jeremy Casey. All right, next voice. Will the real funniest pastor step up, please? And who is that? J-Rod. All right, thank you, guys. So it's like, it's interesting to think about how we can decipher the voice of the people that we know by the relationships that we cultivate with them. It's the time that we spend with them, and it's the time that we're sitting in the seats, especially here at church, listening to those three awesome pastors. And so it has... I mean, it's coming down to this understanding that the same way that we understand how to know whose voice it is with the people around us is the same way we know how to decipher whether it's God's voice or not. It's by knowing his character and understanding the relationship that you've developed with him, which is somewhat hard, but it, it requires you to dive into the word of God to know who he is through the word of God, through the sermons, through worship and prayer especially. And it's very interesting because for me, the way that I always like would know if it was the voice of God is it was the time that I spent in quiet times early in the morning and I would just read the Bible. And it was crazy the first time I was able to really understand like if it was the voice of God or if it was not. And I really hope that you guys would know that if if you're in your this place of prayer and you're really seeking God and all you hear is, yeah, yeah, you're worthless. 
I really hope that you would understand that that is not the voice of God. It's knowing his character and knowing that, no, like, I know who God is and I know that that's not true. And that cannot be the voice of God because that is not a part of his character. That's not who he is. He has called me a son or a daughter of the Most High. He has called me beloved. He has called me for a purpose here on this earth to walk out. And it's something that's going to change this world. As long as I'm willing to be obedient to hearing his voice and knowing how to decipher that. But it requires that constant pursuit in the word of God through worship and prayer and, and seeking out counsel from other pastors or just mentors in your life. And so it's really important when it comes to hearing the voice of God, we have to make that a big priority of every single day seeking out the voice of God. That is so key in our walk, in our journey with Jesus. Amen. Amen. (laughs) And so... I have this story that, that I have a lot of friends who live in uh, New Zealand and Australia. I was privileged enough to work for, uh, for an organization out in Hawaii where we had interns come from around the world. And uh, my friends in New Zealand, um, I'm not sure if it's offensive still, but they're called Kiwis. Um, and they, they, they just herd sheep, I guess. Um, they have lots of lots of lots of sheep in, Aust- in, in New Zealand. And so it was really interesting when I heard this story of there was a plaintiff and a defendant. And basically, the plaintiff was accusing the defendant of stealing his sheep. So they go to trial. They spend all this time, basically, your side, my side, my sheep, your sheep, my all of it. Like, they went through the whole process. And at the very end, basically, the jury tries to come to a decision in saying who is wrong or who is right or whose sheep were they or whose were they not. And basically, they couldn't come to a decision. It was just too, like, they just really didn't know. And so what the judge did is they called in the last witness. They called in the sheep. And so they brought the sheep in. They placed him in the center of the courtroom. And they had the plaintiff and the defendant go out into the hallway around the corner where you could not see who was, it, who was calling them. He had the plaintiff call the sheep. The sheep just basically just stood there and cowered and scared and just didn't know what to do. And then he had the defendant call the sheep. The sheep go running to him, and all the judge says is case closed and does, was it, gavel? Or the gavel. Does a gavel, and it was case closed because the judge knew that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. It was as simple as that, and understanding that the sheep will always know the shepherd's voice. I hope and I pray that you guys will continue to seek that so that you'll have an understanding of when God is speaking to you and when he's not, when the enemy is trying to come in and speak lies into your life. So I can go on all day about the voice of God. I love that. And so we're going to continue into verse 4 through 6. John 10, verse 4 through 6. When he, uh, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the, a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he, he was telling them. So verse 4 there's a, there's a big difference um, between a Western shepherd and an Eastern shepherd. Does anyone know what the biggest difference between the two are? Huh? I can't hear it. I'm like, a staff? Possibly. Not the answer I was looking for. 
One uses a dog almost. Basically, that's actually, that's pretty much correct. One uses a dog, one doesn't, in a sense. Um, one herds the sheep and one leads the sheep. The Western shepherd, you'll see it in like Western movies, how they herd their cattle, they herd their sheep. They're always behind them, herding them into a direction. But Eastern shepherds lead their sheep. And the crazy thing is, if you think about it, when it comes to herding, if you ever like seen a Western movie, how they have sheep dogs and stuff or whatever animals or horses, they're always constantly having to go this way and then come back this way and get them over here. But then they have to go back over here and get them over here. And it makes you realize that they have to work that much because the sheep don't know where they're going. They just simply don't know. They just go in a direction until somebody forces them another way. And so this picture of an Eastern shepherd or how Jesus leads his flock is something that I absolutely love because Jesus leads his flock. He leads us down the path that he set before us. And it's important to remember that. The image of an Eastern shepherd in knowing that I need to be led by my shepherd. And so I have a video that I honestly, I, I, I saw it on Facebook. I loved it. I showed Jeremy and Dustin. I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to make this work. So I'm, the only thing I'm going to say about this video is we all know one of these sheep. So we'll play it. <laughs> so you have all the sheep that are standing around watching, and then you have this one sheep that's just kind of, doing circles in a tire swing. Maybe it's fun. Maybe he was being yeah, disobedient and went the wrong way, but all I know, he's, he's not, get, not getting very far. Yeah, honestly, I just liked it so much because I was like studying this passage and then I saw this on my friend's Facebook and I was like, yes, I'm going to put that in there. I don't care if it makes sense or not. I just figured, I mean, maybe we know sheep like that or maybe we have friends like that. Maybe they're sitting next to you. You never know. But it comes down to being obedient to knowing uh, when God speaks, but also being obedient to the direction that he's leading us. Uh, sometimes it's really hard. I mean, sometimes God's going to lead you into a place that maybe you're not comfortable with. Maybe you're too scared. Maybe it's just something that you're not familiar with. Uh, when shepherds would lead their flocks, I mean, they're, they're taking them to places unknown because it's you know, basically where there's good pasture. And so sometimes these sheep are going into places they've never seen, they don't recognize. I mean, they have to trust the shepherd as their protector and as their guider. And so I love the fact that, you know, we have a God that leads us into this place. And I don't want to be that sheep stuck in a tire swing, just doing circles, trying to get, you know, somewhere. I want to be a sheep that's led to Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. I know that no matter what storm or trial or tribulation that I go through, I know that God's leading me into a pasture where I can find rest, where I can be rejuvenated, where I can be refreshed and be ready to go back out. But I have to be willing to go through whatever the shepherd leads me through. I mean, when it talks about, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And it's awesome knowing that like, I don't have to fear anything because God is my shepherd. He's my protector. He's my fortress, my foundation. He's my rock. I don't have to fear of the things that I don't know because I give them to you, Lord, and I'm going to follow you regardless of what direction I go. I just trust in you, like, with everything that I have. And that's the kind of Christian or believer that I want to be. And that's the type of Christian and believer that I hope that you guys will, will strive to be. And so when it comes to 
Jesus leading the flock, I love that because sometimes we do know people like that and sometimes we are those people. I know that I was stuck in a tire swing for like, oof, I don't know, all of high school, (laughs) all of high school and then some. And so, you know, I love that image of just like knowing that Jesus is our Eastern shepherd. He leads us. He doesn't just hurt us in a direction that we don't really know. He leads us down a path. He goes before us. So going into verse uh, 7, 7 through 9. So it says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have once come, or all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So I love how he reiterates some of this stuff, but we have this transition now. So we're going from verse 7 through 10, we see this kind of shift. So we're going from a fold in the village to now a fold in the wilderness or out in the countryside when they're led out. Some of the characteristics of a sheepfold out in the wilderness... Um, obviously it's set somewhere in the wilderness or pasture, uh, surrounded by somewhat of a wall, whatever they could build up in that time, uh, with the use of some sort of hedge or like a thorn bush. Because a lot of times when they're leading their uh, sheep to pasture, they can't make it back to the village in time or they have to be out for days at a time. And they don't have time to build up like 10 foot walls every single night so that their sheep will be safe. They build up what they can, they use what they can, but then basically you have sticks or whatever rocks they'll try to build up as much as possible but then you have a gate in a sense or an entrance but there is no gate and so the interesting part about this scripture is it says therefore Jesus said again very truly I tell you I am the gate for the sheep so it's going from Jesus as a shepherd now it's transitioning to Jesus as the gate and this is a big like I I really really like this um, Jesus as the gate, the transition from seven to eight, we see Jesus make the change um, from the shepherd to the gate. Jesus came through the gate of the law, uh, establishing him as the good shepherd. And now we see him taking the position of the gate itself. Uh, John fourteen six. I know it's kind of jumping ahead into John, but I love this because it's basically just making it very clear. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me because Jesus is the gate. There's no way to the Father except through through Jesus Christ himself. Um, I'm a big, big, big uh, believer in just knowing that, that I have to understand that Jesus is the only way to find fulfillment in life. I mean, I've, I've definitely had my days where I've gone astray. I've, I've definitely tried to do my own way, but um, this passage really reminded me that like Jesus is the gate. There is no other way. I can't try to figure out this like alternate path that still kind of leads into salvation or like into fulfillment in the, the fulfillment that comes from the calling that God's placed on my life and being obedient in that. And I've tried to so hard in like, finding a way to like, you know, kind of tweak things or make things work for my own good. And I really had to accept the fact that Jesus is the gate. I want to go through him and only him to find that fulfillment in whatever he's called me to. And so 
in this passage, it, it kind of reiterates in 8 and 9, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them because they know the voice of God. They know the voice of the shepherd. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. You know, whatever idols that we see in the Bible before Jesus comes into the picture, whatever false prophets, Jesus is saying, those who have come before me, those are thieves because they're stealing away from the identity that God has placed on your life and you seeking out this idol or this false uh, God or whatever it may be. For me, I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, chasing the, the, basically the sailing God. Like I worship sailing. Sailing was my passion. I love being out on the water. I still do. Being on the ocean is probably, I feel more comfortable out on the ocean than I do on land. It's just something that I absolutely love, but it was my God. I worshiped it every single Sunday. Like I would drive any direction. I don't care how far. My dad always told me that like, I can't wake up at like seven in the morning to take out the trash cans, but I can wake up at three in the morning to drive to San Diego. That makes so much sense. And I'll just be like, oh, um, but it was like, you know, that was my God. I worshiped so many idols before, in a sense, before I really came back into this relationship with God. And it, it, it helps me understand that they were just, that was robbing me of the calling that God has placed on my life. That was robbing me of the riches that come when you get to seek out the kingdom of God. You get to pursue him. You get to preach the gospel. I've traveled to, to a lot of different countries preaching the gospel, and it didn't come until I had to give up that idol of sailing. And I'm thankful that that is out of my life, in a sense, so that I can, like, focus on glorifying God by knowing that that. That that came before him, that was robbing me of my true calling, and that's to glorify him in all that I do. Uh, verse 9, I am the gate again. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He is like making sure that he establishes that I am the gate it is very clear that he is the gate. He is the shepherd transitioning into the gate, and the only way to enter is through me. And so if we can pull up that picture real quick of the sheepfold in the wilderness, I want to touch on the fact that there is no gate right there. And so what would happen is the shepherd would sleep in that entrance. So they wouldn't build up a fence. He would, they would physically put their bodies right there so the sheep either had to enter in through over him, which gives a new meaning to over my dead body. But when the wolves come or whatever is trying to get to the sheep, they got to go either over, through, pull them out of the way. Like you have to go through the shepherd. And so it's, it's awesome to see that there wasn't a gate because the shepherd was the physical gate. He didn't just stand off to the side. He didn't have a tent off in the distance. He physically laid there and slept in the entrance and he was the gate. And that's, that's Jesus Christ right there. He is the gate that protects us. When we are in the fold, we're, when we are under the covering of the good shepherd, we don't have to fear very much at all. I mean, we have to understand that, I mean, there's going to be hard times, but we, we have a, a hope in a future in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is our shepherd and that he is uh, the gate that, that the enemy can't, penetrate. The enemy can't get in. There's no way that the enemy can overcome Jesus. And so before we kind of transition to to the end, I want to 
I really want to focus on verse 10. I know that a lot of people, um, this is it's a very popular passage. So John 10, 10. Oh, 7 through 9. Maybe, I, honestly, I probably, that was probably my fault. I didn't put 10, 10 in there. But we'll read it right here. So everybody knows this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that may, they may have life and have it to the full. And I love the fact that it says to the full, and sometimes it can be kind of misinterpreted because sometimes I, I, my earthly mind can think full of money. My pocket is going to be full of money. My garage is going to be full of nice cars. My house is going to be full of fun toys. It's going to be like this awesome life and stuff, but it's not necessarily saying that. And this is like what I truly believe, that even though he says life to the full, I believe it's full of these things right here. Wait for it. Build that anticipation. Or maybe it's not. Hey, the joy of the Lord, full of God's love, full of God's faith, uh, full of faith in God's plan, full of hope, for the future, full of peace in every season or storm, full of patience, knowing his timing is perfect. When it talks about life to the full, I know that it, it's, it's something that I, I, I'm excited for because I want it to be full of God's love, knowing that his love is so vast, so powerful, so deep and wide and long and high and all of it. Like I know that his love is so vast beyond our ability to comprehend, full of faith in God's plan, knowing that whatever, like, Life, you know, what am I trying to say? Whatever happens in life, I know that God's plan is perfect and his, his word is flawless. Uh, full of hope for the future. I know that, like, although I don't fully understand what he has for me um, in the next season, I have uh, a hope in the future knowing that as long as I'm obedient, I know it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, full of peace in every season uh, or every storm. Uh, peace is something that, uh, it was kind of a word, uh, peace, it was just something that I kept thinking about when I was preparing for this, and it's something that I really want to just pray over. Um, I was praying over you guys before um, this, like probably earlier this week, I think it was about like Monday or Tuesday, I just started praying for peace. Um, I don't know what season you guys are at, but I pray that it's full of peace, no matter what season, whether it's good or bad, whether it's high or low, whether it's victory or defeat, Whatever it is, I just pray for peace over you guys, that you guys will have the peace knowing that his plan is so awesome and that, like, no matter what's going on, God's, God's going to shepherd you and lead you into a new season, and you're going to see the glory of the Lord. Uh, full of patience, knowing his timing is, timing is perfect. Being a millennial, this is not something I enjoy. Uh, patience is hard. I'm, yeah, I grew up in the Amazon era. I get in two days. Why do I have to wait like 10 years? And so, you know, I, I have to pray for peace or, or I have to pray for patience knowing his timing is perfect. It's not about my timing, but it's about his perfect timing. And so when it comes to like the, this last little section, when it talks about and have it to the full, I want it to be full of these things, his love and faith, hope and peace and patience in the calling that he's placed on my life. And so... Uh, just in closing, you know, 
I wanna, I wanna share three things, like three takeaways or uh, applications. Uh, know the shepherd's voice. I think this is very important. It's something that we have to be diligent in seeking out. Know the voice of God. Know how to decipher that through the relationship that you guys cultivate through the scripture, through worship, through prayer, and through seeking out counsel from uh, a mentor or a pastor or somebody who has that, that knowledge to give you a greater understanding. Uh, be obedient because when God shepherds you or leads you into a place, you have to be obedient to going there. No matter how scary or unknown it may feel, you have to be willing to be obedient to whatever he calls you to. Obedience is so big because when, I mean, when we're not obedient, one of the, the typical stories that a lot of people talk about how sheep go astray, they end up in, in, in caverns or lost in the world and are stuck in a thorn bush and all these things. And I think that some of us can attest to that when we've decided to go our own way. We've gotten stuck in situations or seasons that we didn't quite know how to get out of until the good shepherd comes and pulls us out of that. And the last, uh, shepherd others. It's, it's kind of daunting and intimidating sometimes because it scares me sometimes thinking about shepherding other people. Am I going in the right direction? Am I going to lead them into a, like a good pasture? I don't know. But when I am obedient to knowing the voice of God and being obedient to the voice of God, I know that when I shepherd others, it's going to be into whatever God has for us. And so I'm so thankful that this passage in this scripture is something that we can draw a lot of hope from, knowing that he is a shepherd that seeks us out and brings us back into the fold, and he sits there in the gate, as the gate, protecting us, that he's guiding us into Psalms 23, that he's leading us into those green pastures beside so waters, and I'm so thankful that we get to do that as a community, as a church. And so my prayer for tonight is just that we continue to be obedient to the shepherd's voice and that we continue to seek him out in all that we do and that we continue to glorify him with our lives. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you seek us out, you bring us back into the fold, you mend our wounds, you call us into the 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 calling that you place on our life, you bring us into that, God. I thank you so much that, that you are the gate, that you are the good shepherd that protects us, that guides us and uh, restores our identity. I pray that we will know the voice of God, that we'll seek that out and that we'll understand when it is your voice and when it, it is not. That we'll, know, that we'll know who you are in a deep and more intimate way. Uh, way, God. I pray for a deep and more intimate relationship uh, throughout the next season of our lives, God, that we'll just be taken into this amazing place with you. So again, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for you, for your son, and for the good shepherd that leads us. We pray this in your son's mighty and powerful and beautiful name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.